0: to live a not satisfied life uh, if we're not careful. Uh, like I said earlier, it's, um, this is the world that we live in where there's a lot of comparison. Uh, there's a lot of pressing in on us that says, you know, you're not good enough or your stuff's not good enough. Your family's not good enough. Uh, there's a lot that can make us feel that way constantly. And I just don't think that that's what God wants for us. I don't think he wants us walking through this life living not satisfied. And we tried to be pretty intentional about the graphic for this to try to say, look, we can move from not satisfied to satisfied. And we've been trying to use a, an acronym for that as we work through each chapter of Philippians. And that has been page. We want to turn the page from being not satisfied to satisfied. So last week, we looked at uh, Philippians 1, and we tried to understand where Paul's joy was coming from, where his P, where his perspective was coming from. And here's where I think it lands concretely in our lives. To have a relationship with Christ and to follow his example, to trust him, means that your perspective is not one of what you don't have. It's one of what you do have, right? And that's a way different way of looking at life. It's a way different way to live in this life with ads and social media and all the, that comes with it to say you don't have enough, Christians, I think, have the power to press back defiantly and say, no, I do. I don't need to constantly be worried about what I don't have because look how much God has blessed me. Yeah, I can press for more, and yeah, I and I can get more and better things. It's not bad to have better things, to have a nice house, nice car, but not to the point of where it, like, defines your life, and that's who you are. So the perspective that Paul had... It helps with that. Paul also showed us that in the midst of like the song we just sang, in the midst of when life is pressing in, you can still have joy. You can still find satisfaction because here's Paul writing from prison, right? It's pretty unfair that he's there and yet he can speak of this joy that he personally has and then the joy that he has because of other people, right? He's been really, really touched by this church in Philippi and it's like, and that's all of you, right? Right. The blessing that I know that comes from my life, I know the life that Pastor Dean lived here doing ministry in Terry for 80 or 90 years, it was like, you know, they were blessed by the, the people of the church, right? Because you guys have more influence and power in that way than I think you maybe will ever notice. Like, you're not just a person in a church. You're a follower of Jesus Christ filled with the power of the creator of the universe. Amen? Right? We to make sure. So make sure the blood's still pumping, right? So our perspective, it changes the way that we, uh, you know, the way that we approach things because Jesus Christ is a part of our perspective. He's a part of our framework. And then it allows us to also understand what Paul would say in, in Philippians 1. He wants you to grow in such a way that your life is filled with the Spirit, that it's filled with the knowledge of Christ, so that you're going to actually know what is good, right? That you're actually going to know what is best for you in your life. And you're going to be able to say, no, I don't need that. That's not going to add value to me. That's just going to add stress or debt or chaos or drama to my life. I don't need that. Right? And that's what Paul's hope was in chapter one, that they would grow in such a way that they would see that. Because here's the truth. Here's a statement. I want you to let sink into your soul right here. This next one. Keep going. You were not made to be the center of the universe. Right. Spoiler alert for everybody hearing these words. You were not made, you were not built, you were not designed to be the center of the universe because you can't carry that weight. You cannot carry that weight. And if you begin to place yourself at the center of the universe, you're going to begin to crack under that pressure because now everything is about you and you have to make sure everything is about you, right? Right? And then you get pressed into this like uh, you're offended over everything. You're always a victim because if something's not about you, what do, what do you do with that? Right? What do you do with that if you think you're the center of the universe and you've kind of subliminally made yourself the center of the universe, you believed our culture and all the ads and all the pressing that we get about this idea. And when somebody says, hey, you're not the center of the universe and I don't care about your opinion, oh my gosh, you must hate me. And this is the world that we live in, right? This is the world that we live in. If you don't agree with me, you must hate me because my opinion matters most. My feelings, my identity, who I am, matters more than anything else because we've placed ourselves in the center of the universe. So now we're all becoming victims, right? Like, I'm not just pulling this stuff out of thin air. I'm just saying, like, look at the world around us. Like, what's happening to us? Well, we're all, we're trying to all shove ourselves into the center of the universe. And it's like, we're creating a black hole doing that. And God is like, no, 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 you can't handle that kind of pressure. That's not what you were made for. And so, yes, we see people feeling awful about themselves because they're not the center and they can't be the center. And so they're, we're just seeing like awful fallout in people's lives. Because when we chase happiness, this is what we talked about last week. When we chase happiness because we believe that we all deserve to be happy at all times and that life should be pretty good all the time, that's not a realistic view of the world. And so when that doesn't happen, again, now it's like another shot at us. And it's like we're looking for validation in people. And my heart goes out to younger people because we are growing up in a world, we're processing the world through the internet and through social media. Right? And more and more and more younger people are like, they're looking to people they don't even know to validate them. And they're giving people they don't know a lot of authority in their souls, right? But it's like, that's just kind of like, again, that's what we're given. And so now you're seeing people put really, really painful stuff out into the world on social media and on the internet. And then unfortunately you have people out there that are just jerks, right? And rather than like giving them the affirmation they're looking for, they're like, hey, how about you just go kill yourself, right? That's what's happening with young people. That's like what they're experiencing when they're like putting themselves out into the world. And it's like, we can't do that. We cannot try to make like everything come to us and find validation. And so like, these are some of the real things. It's like, I talk to younger people as I talk to older people. It's like, how does that stuff land in scripture? Like, I always want to be super practical. Like I want to believe in the power of the risen savior, but I also want to say, but how does that land in your life that you're living every day and the lives that our kids are growing up in every day? And when we live that way too with the mindset that we're, it's all about us is that it's really hard to be gracious to other people, right? Because think about it. If it's all about me and I'm right, what does that make you? Wrong or stupid, right? Or a dumb conservative or an idiot liberal, right? And it's like you're on that side and I'm on this side and whatever you say does not matter because it's about me and what I think. And so here's what a mature Christian will do. A mature Christian will be like, okay, I'm not just going to die over what I think is important. I'm going to step back and I'm going to say, okay, what is actually important? I'm going to die over what's actually important, not just what I think is important. And sometimes there's a difference. And sometimes it sucks to find the difference between those two, right? But that's what Philippians 1 was talking about. Like growing in your relationship with Christ so that you have enough humility to step back and be like, okay, is this just something I'm dying over? Think about the last argument you had with your spouse or a co-worker or a friend, right? And you're like, you're starting to press up against that line where you're like, this is really just my opinion and I just want to be right. And you're like, if I take one more step, I don't know what's going to happen, but let's see, right? Right? And we just do that because we just want to be right and we're not willing to step back from it. And I think there's a, there's a peace in our relationships. There's that abundant life that Jesus talks about when, we're, when we open up the perspective a little bit and just start to consider others as more important than ourselves. It's like, that's a really, really interesting way. And again, just to emphasize again, just to bring this, I said this earlier, but the next slide, I wanna say, I'm not, God's not talking about you can't be self-aware or you can't self-care. Like, please hear me clearly on that. I'm not talking about running yourself ragged with humility and being others-focused, right? What God is speaking against is not self-awareness, it's self-obsession, right? That's where the, that's where the line is different. And then that's, that's for you right? This is where you got to kind of take up your faith and say, okay, am I crossing that line of just being self-obsessed? Like what's causing some of these problems in my life, Lord? Is it just me? Am I the one? Uh, You know, that's, and that's you. Like I can't answer that question for you. That's where you have to wrestle in your own faith and say, okay, am I leaning toward that? So today though, we're going to talk about our attitude change. So the, the PAGE acronym we're using, your perspective. Today is your attitude, really focusing on humility. Then next week, we're going to talk about goals. And then Thanksgiving Eve, I want to talk about Philippians chapter 4 with one of the most misquoted and misapplied verses of the entire Bible. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Right? People use that verse for all kinds of weird, crazy things. And then the problem with that is they get all angry with God. Like, well, I wanted that promotion and you said I could have it, God. You promised me in scripture that I could have that because I wanted it and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? That's not what that verse is about. So Thanksgiving Eve, we're going to gather as a church to slow it down in the middle of the holiday season and say, let's be thankful together. Like, let's just gather as people and just give thanks and just hear God's word. So that E, that is what you put your emphasis on. That's where we'll land this series on Thanksgiving Eve. And so... Today though, like I said, we're gonna talk about humility. And I found some interesting quotes out there because like any good millennial, I'm gonna go to the internet for my answers, right? And so uh, this first one up is from C.S. Lewis. I really liked this quote. Look at this. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but what? Thinking of yourself less. So when I talk about humility today, when God talks about humility, he's not talking about humiliation. He's not talking about thinking you're an awful person. Because it's hard to love other people as you love yourself if you hate yourself, right? Think about the care and concern Jesus Christ has for you individually. And it starts with how you see yourself. Well, you know what? I'm a child of God. You know what? I'm made in the image of God. You know what? Paul told Timothy that I've got a a spirit in me that's full of power and love and self-discipline and self-control. You know what? Like I've got the fruit of the spirit. I'm a loving person, right? Right? I'm a kind person, right? I, I'm these person, I'm a brave person that can stand up for what's right and I can do that with humility. Like all these things that God says about us. So we should not think, if you're a follower of Christ, we should not think ill of ourselves. I'm just a sinner and I'll never get over this. I'll never have victory of this in my life. A lot of Christians say that kind of stuff and it's like, that's not what God says about you. So it's not thinking that you're an awful person with humility, it's just thinking of yourself less right? So I love that he did that. CSO is a pretty smart guy. And then next up, we got St. Saint, Saint Augustine, or St. Augustine, depending on how you want to say this. He's early 400s, uh, so quite a while ago. It was pride that changed angels into devils. It's humility that makes people as angels. And I just thought this was an interesting quote. This guy was a, a follower of Jesus for sure, and it's just interesting that exchange, what pride does to us, and then what humility can do to us as well. I just, I thought that was interesting. And then this last one, Kind of like C.S. Lewis's quote. True humility. True humility. Not an abject, groveling, self-despising spirit. But a right estimate of ourselves as God sees us. Right? Because here's the thing. Here's, Jesus. here's the model we get from Jesus. Jesus is the most powerful being in all of the universe. And yet he came here in humility and he used that power to serve others. So what power has God given you? What authority has God given you? And are you using that to serve others as your savior, as your model Jesus Christ did? Like, do you see yourself with that kind of power and authority to be able to go out and serve others, not just to serve yourself? Again, because that's that's the world we live in, right? So these are just some thoughts on humility as we we launch into today. Um, Because again, I wanna use this acronym PAGE to go from being not satisfied to satisfied. we're going to look at A today, your, your attitude, and we're going to jump into Philippians chapter 2, right in verse 1, to start this off. And there's a phrase I want you guys to get, to get comfortable with today, and it is this right here. No ego, amigo. All right? This is a phrase I'm going to say a lot today, and I want to have you say. So go ahead and just throw it out there. Take a shot. Let me hear it. No ego, amigo, right? This is going to save your life, I promise. It is going to save your life, um, or at least an argument or two, right? And so this is, when you feel that, that pressing in, like, I feel like I'm, I'm right on the edge. I'm just being selfish right now, right? I'm just being self-obsessed. I'm just making this about me. I'd love for you to slow down and ask the question, am I just making this all about me, and if you can say yes, or if you think you can say yes to that, I'd love for you silently in your head just to be like, no ego, amigo. Maybe don't whisper it out loud like that, because then that's going to be weird. But in your brain, I would love for you just to be like, all right, no ego, amigo. Like, I just, maybe I need to step back from this and take a breath. Maybe I need to walk away from this, because this is what we see Jesus modeling for us today. So we're going to jump into verse 1 in Philippians chapter 2. So, Paul, if, is where we start off. If, he says... So what Paul's going to do in Philippians chapter 2 verse 1 is he's going to us, uh, present four different scenarios that he is assuming are true, right? And he's also assuming that the church in Philippi assumes is true. Like hey, I'm going to list these four things and these are absolutely true so if these things are absolutely true then this other stuff should be true verses 2 verses three verses 4 verse 5 and your attitude should match that of Jesus Christ because these other things are all true and this is the attitude of Jesus Christ so that's where we're headed today how can we look at life look at where we are and model it after our Savior Jesus because John 10:10 10, 10, Jesus says, look man you got to understand look ladies you got to understand. The enemy wants to steal, to kill, and destroy. Like, he wants to wreck your life. I have come to give you what? Life. And that they may have it in abundance, right? Jesus does want us to have a blessed life by following him. So these are, like, this morning, spoiler alert, this is all about trust. This is, like, trusting Jesus Christ actually has a better plan for your life that's countercultural, isn't easy, doesn't feel normal, but it's better. Like, that's kind of where we're landing this morning. So let's dive in here. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, which, yes, of course there is. Paul just talked about it in chapter 1, right? If there's any consolation of love, well, yes, there is. Because, again, he talked about that in chapter 1. If any fellowship with the Spirit, man, Jesus spent a lot of time talking about this in our Gospel of John series, right? John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, prayed about it in 17. Yes, there is fellowship with the Spirit. It's a gift I'm going to send to you, right? Right? If there's any affection in mercy, yes, there is. It's an outpouring of the Spirit. If those are true, then verse 2. Make my joy complete, Paul says, right? Because there's something going on in the church. There's a little bit of division happening in the church in Philippi, right? And he's like, you know, you guys are doing amazing, but let's complete the process. Like, let's, let's bring it, like, to fruition. Let's bring it to completion. Well, by what? Thinking the same way, number one. And now I'm not talking about that we all need to agree on everything. I'm not saying that we all need to say the Browns are the best football team ever to exist. I mean, because obviously that's true, right? But we don't need to agree on that. And we don't need to agree on everything. I'm like, you don't need to agree with your spouse or your friends on every topic, everywhere at all times what paul is saying is that we want to rally around the truth of jesus christ we want to rally around his teachings we want to be mature enough to understand what we should die for and what we don't need to die for because what paul is not talking about and what our church is not talking about is that we're going to forsake truth because we love people right we're not going to rally around uh something that's not true just for the sake of unity like that's not that's not what he's talking about right so thinking the same way Heading in the same direction as Jesus Christ is the first thing. He wants to have the same love, right? Again, we're going to model John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, right? We're going to do that. We're going to be united in spirit because, again, we're having maturity to die over the things that we should, not what we shouldn't. And then lastly, we're going to be intent on one purpose. The... The hope for him is he's saying, look, in chapter one, I've just talked about how how important these things are. I've talked to you about how much this has impacted my life. And then what he's also saying here now, what he's getting into is saying, we have to be so focused like our Savior, because if not, the world is going to offer us a million things to be divided on. And here's what I watched as a pastor happen over the last two and a half years. I watched the American church eat itself alive. I watched people absolutely throw mud and hate one another and leave churches. I watched churches literally close their doors because people were arguing over things like masks and they were calling each other Satan's operatives. We were calling other followers of Jesus operatives for Satan because they said masks are something we should wear. And it's like, guys, we can't do that. We have to be intent on one purpose, and that is sharing the hope of the gospel with people. It has to be living out our faith. It has to be sacrificial love. It has to be like, no, personally, did I like masks? No, I hated them more than anything, maybe. Not really, but I hated them. I didn't want to wear masks, but I'm not going to go out there and die on that hill because I know the gospel is more important than the mask that covers my face. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, and you may have really strong opinions about that, and that's cool and I love you like crazy anyway. You may think I need to wear a mask 24 hours a day in the shower, into the bed, and on the middle of an island in the Pacific. And man, if that's, your, if that's what you wanna do, whatever. I'm not gonna die over that, right? And so as followers of Jesus Christ, like we've gotta like we got come out of this thing, this pandemic in a way that says, you know what? Wow, maybe we didn't do everything right. Maybe you know my opinions weren't right, and I'm not standing up here to say mine are, right? Because I'm just a du- guy, I'm just a dude, right? Like, I don't have all the answers, but what I'm saying is, like, I want to try to meet people in humility because I got to be intent with one purpose, right? It's why we, like, talk about our vision all the time. It's why we talk about our mission all the time because there's a lot out there the world's going to offer us that will rip us to pieces. And fellow followers of Christ, people that are interested, people that are not followers of Christ here, like, you got to know that, like, we have got to have a more central purpose than all this other stuff that's floating around us. And at Quaybog Church, we are trying our absolute best to do that in humility. And we're gonna mess it up sometimes, I'll promise you that, spoiler alert. Like we're gonna mess it up, because if, like I said, I'm just a guy, but we wanna stay focused on what our vision is for the future of what we wanna be, worship, connection, service. We wanna be focused on our day-to-day mission of loving God, loving people, and helping them start and grow a relationship with Jesus Christ. Like That's what we're committed to. Those are the things that here at Quaybog, we are intent with that one purpose. And that's what, when we have members come up, like, we say, yeah, all these members, I guarantee there were different views on a million different topics, right? But what we're saying, what we're committing to publicly is but we're on mission for Christ, right? And that's what Paul is saying. Like, that is a different attitude. That's like, okay, I have the maturity to know. Like, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut on that. I don't agree with that, but I don't know. So I'm just going to maybe be quiet. And then verse 3, what's that look like? Paul says, well, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. And here's a key. These two verses, right? Everyone should look not only to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. What's our phrase? No ego, amigo. Right? He's like saying, like, you need to be, as a Christian, have a mindset that it's not, again, not just about you. Like it's about like there's others and we're on mission. Like we've got a really big mission together and, like, and that's what we're going to focus on, right? Regardless of the things that we might agree or disagree on. Now, again, is this easy that we need to look to others' interests, not just our own? Is that normal? No. Is it weird? Yes. Does it go against what we feel inside is right sometimes? Yes, right? It absolutely does. And the culture that he's writing to, We're huge on shame and honor. And they thought this was ridiculous that you're going to put yourself a free person? You're going to put yourself in subjugation to what somebody else thinks? That's craziness, right? And yet, this is what Jesus Christ himself did. This is the model that he set for us. And so look how it goes on. The greatest example of all time, verse 5. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. John 13, right? Washing his disciples' feet. That's the attitude that Jesus Christ wants us to have. Love others as I have loved you. John 13, 34 and 35. I want you to love people like I have loved you. And again, there's a lot that's going to get in the way of that. And we have really strong opinions and that's okay, right? We get to go and vote about those opinions and that's awesome. But again, what is our focus? What is our mission as followers of Christ here at this church individually? So I think we talked about this when Dean and I preached in John 17, this next point here. And it's, it comes up again and again and again in the Gospel of John, and here it is coming up again in Philippians. Say that. Stay humble. Follow Jesus. Right? Don't always assume you're right. I can't. I would love to be, but I know I'm not. I have a wife that makes sure I know that I'm not always right. Right? God bless me with one of those types of people. And my kids, they try to say that too. I don't think. I think, I disagree. I think they're wrong. I'm always right. But... All right. So what kind of attitude did Jesus have? Verse six, who existing. So this is present tense. He is God. And the form of God, that Greek word there, form, is actually the Greek word morphi, which means the outside matches the inside. This is not a facade. This is not just him pretending. Paul is saying he is God. He's echoing the gospel of John to show us this is who we serve. This Jesus is God. And this Jesus who is God did not consider equality with God as something to be Exploited, easy verse to just read right over and not think much about. Here is what I'd love for you to digest: What did Jesus use his ultimate, infinite power for? If he didn't exploit it, then what did he use it for? To serve others. So here is Jesus, our example, our Savior. All the power in the world, all the influence in the world, and he used it not as something to be exploited, but in verse seven. Instead, he emptied himself. And there's a lot of debate about what this means to empty himself. This is called the kenosis passage, uh, Greek word. And uh, there's a lot of ideas about this, you know, but Paul actually says a few of the things that this actually means here in the passage. He says, one, what it means to empty himself, he assumed the form of a servant. Isaiah 52 and 53 written historically, we know this factually speaking, written 700 years before Jesus ever came to earth It talks about the suffering servant in Isaiah 52 and 53. Great chapters to go and read because this is what it's talking about. He would come as the form of a servant, creator of the universe. Number two, he's going to take on the likeness of humanity. Like the book of Hebrews said, we have a high priest who gets us because he walked in our shoes as a person, right? So that's the second thing he gave up, right? He gave up this divine privilege and came. And then thirdly, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even to death on the cross. God's given you power some level. God's given you some level of influence in your life. How are you using that power and influence? How are you using your giftedness? This guy's going on a run all the way across the state because he says, you know what? I've been empowered to run like crazy. And I'm like, more power to that dude. Like, that's not, I don't want to do that at all, right? Like, there's nothing in me that wants to do that. But that's cool. That's the body of Christ because this guy's going to do it to the glory of God, right? And he's going to use his power, his influence, To point people to Jesus Christ, right? To just humbly run across the state, which is crazy. And so this is our example that Paul is trying to get these listeners to get us to hear. Again, what was our saying? No ego, amigo. That's what I'm talking about. And then verse 9. For this reason, right? So this is who Jesus is. For this reason, God highly exalted him. And he gave him the name above every other name, right? He gave him Yahweh's name, Jesus Christ, right? He is Yahweh. And Jesus prayed that in John 17. Verse 10, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And it's like, just in case he might miss something, he says, in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, that's right. This is what you see in Revelation 19. This is Jesus at this point no longer being the suffering servant. This is Jesus coming back full of power, making everything right, like the end of everything. Like this is where it gets crazy in the end of Revelation. But we see this Jesus Christ coming back. But again, it's Jesus Christ when he came to earth to give us that example. We can't take on the example of Revelation 19. Like I'm not riding back on a horse out of the sky, long hair, king of kings, lord of lords on my, on my hips, man. That's not going to happen. I don't get to own that part, right? But, but the model of Jesus here, I do. How am I using my influence and my power to really be able to serve others, right? How are we doing that? Well, as a pastor, I have a platform and there's a lot of responsibility that goes with that to stand in front of you and say, this is what God's saying, right? Like that's a responsibility I take crazy serious. And to like, because I've just known so many people be hurt by pastors and the things that they said and did right? So what do I want to do? Well, I want to make sure I talk regularly about our inverted pyramid of leadership and influence at our church, right? I want to be at the bottom of that period, pyramid, just building into other people, investing into other people, serving into other people so that they can shine. They can do what God's called them to do. I'm not climbing to the top of the ladder so that you guys can be like, look at Pastor Kyle. Oh my God, he's so great. No, like that's not what Christianity is. That's not Christ-like leadership. And so in your own life, what does that look like? How are you using your power and your influence to serve others, because that's what our savior Jesus did, and that's what he calls us to do, and that's what he changed the world with about 2,000 years ago. So practically speaking, Paul jumps from here in verse 11, and he says, okay, let's get back to being practical again. Do everything without grumbling. And the Greek word there, grumbling, means that low secretive talk. So your boss tells you that you're gonna have to stay another half hour. What comes out of your mouth in that moment? Yeah. Yes, let me serve you with humility and love, right? Uh, I'm laying on the couch watching football, and Brittany says, hey, Kyle, and my first thought is, she's going to want me to do something. Can you run to the basement? Ah, even worse. Now i got to get up and go down the stairs, search for something, and then come back up the stairs, and oh, two minutes of my life are gone, and I'll never get back, right? And so whatever your thing is, right? And it's not talking about like, no, this is not right. And we're not going to do this. I'm not talking about speaking up for what's right. I'm talking about, you know, like you're just like sowing seeds of discontent and anger and gossip. That's what that Greek word is talking about. That, that low secretive talk. You're not going to talk to me that way. He's a jerk. Yeah, you know he's a jerk. You know what I'm talking about. Did you hear what they... Like um, that's what I'm talking about. It's kind of like underground sowing all these seeds of anger and discontent, which is leading to arguing. Here's Paul writing from jail, Right? And he's talking about the joy that he has in this different way, this different attitude that we have that looks a lot like Jesus, right? And so then he goes on and he says, verse 15, so that you may be blameless and pure, right? You're you're, you're forgiven, you're confessed up, you're following Christ, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, right? Not much has changed. People have always been pretty rough, right? And Paul's saying, look, this is the reality of the world that we live in, but you get to be different because you, and look at this part here, You are going to shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. That is the privilege and honor that we get as followers of Jesus Christ in humility to live in a world that's crooked and perverted. And yeah, we can be like, oh my gosh, it seems like it's getting worse every year, but it's not right. People have always been kind of rough. The world's always been kind of rough. And he says, you know what you get the privilege of doing is shining like a star in the middle of all that because you're going to hold firm to the word of life. And that is a much different attitude to work, look at the world at. I just feel like as followers of Christ, we should be pretty positive. We should know, like pretty realistically, yeah, the world has been like this for a long time. And God just keeps calling generations of followers to be a part of changing it, right? That's just what he keeps us in the world for. It's like, God, why don't you do something? He's like, well, I've sent you, haven't I? I know, but can't you send somebody else? Can't you do something miraculous? And he's like, I've sent you. I want you to shine like stars, people. That's what I want you to do. And so that's, again, the privilege, the honor that we get. And knowing that, I think, is a big, big attitude adjustment. And so the way Paul ends chapter 2 is he gives Timothy and Epaphroditus, two of his closest friends, as examples of what this looks like, practically speaking. So you can read the chapter, uh, end of that chapter and see him talk about Timothy, see him talk about Epaphroditus in a way that's like, hey, these are, these are two servants that embody what I'm talking about right now. And so and, and just in closing, I, I want you to have these two thoughts um, from earlier. You weren't built to be the center of the universe. Go ahead and try this. Look at the person next to you and say, I wasn't built to be the center of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> Some of you happen to say that for the first time and I'm sorry, but. <laughs> so we were not built. It's healthy. That is a healthy attitude. It's healthy humility. Because again, if we try to put that pressure on ourselves, we are constantly gonna be disappointed because you are not the center of the universe, right? I remember my parents used to tell me, the world doesn't revolve around you. And I never understood that. I was like, what do you mean, revolve around me? Like, I had no idea what they were saying. But apparently, I was a selfish kid because I heard it a lot. But, you know, as I've gotten older, I've realized, that oh, it doesn't actually revolve around me, right? It's like, it's not, everything's not about me. And if Jesus says, and if you just start widening your scope a little bit, there's going to be blessing that comes from that. It may not feel natural to put others before yourself but that's what I'm calling you to. It, it is different. It was different 2000 years ago, but God, through the power of spirit, changed the world with stuff just like this. It's insane, right? And so again, our, our question we started with right here. If you're, if you're feeling like this, like, okay, am I making this all about me? Am I pressing into this? Am I dying over this? Because this is just my opinion. Like, this is a question of humility. What do I want your response to be? No ego, amigo, right? So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to live in humility. Help us to, like, stand up and fight for the things that, uh, that matter, that are really important. Um, because I know some things that are important to me aren't always important, Lord. They're not worth dying for. They're not worth opening my mouth for, Lord. Um, help us to use our power, our influence, like you did, Jesus Christ, to serve other people and to point them towards eternity, Lord. Um, God, I help you. I just pray you help us live a life that is satisfied, or with a different perspective and a different attitude. Um, I do believe 100%, Lord, that's a gift that you want us to just embrace. So help us, Lord, to embrace that. And I pray that in your name, Jesus Christ. And His church said, amen. God bless. I love you all. Once again, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified of new content every week. Remember, we want to help you worship, connect, and serve. So if you live in the central Massachusetts area, we would love for you to engage with us on Sundays. For more information, service times, and details about our children's and youth ministries, visit us at quaybogchurch.org. Have a blessed week.